cat stopped in the middle of the path and then it stared straight at me. I was terrified. It all bring a tear to my eye thinking about it, just my emotion that I felt that day. I just froze. <laughs> didn't want to move because I didn't want it coming towards me or anything, something like that. You think, where the hell has that come from? Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We are live in Cumbria. It's a September afternoon. We've just had a busy day at day two of the Westmoreland Show, which is a fantastic rural show full of interesting stuff in South Cumbria. We are catching up with Sharon Larkin, the Cumbria investigator, and her other half, Ian, and daughter, Aurora. So we're going to have a family conversation with them about their involvement in Big Cat investigations and what they make of what we've heard today at the Westmoreland Show. We've also got Paul Ramsden from Gloucestershire with us. Hi, Paul. Hi, Rick. How are you? Paul is going to chip in at times. If we get any guests, we're in the last sort of half hour of the show. Paul is going to have to go and deal with the guests and usher them in and get them on the sticky dot voting and tell them what's been happening today because we're closing down at the show. We've had a busy day, but we're going to have a chance to discuss Big Cats and what Sharon has been doing over the years in Cumbria. Sharon runs the Facebook page for Cumbria. Many of the listeners may know it, and we'll give the link to that on the podcast episode. So, Sharon, can you tell us the gist of what you have been doing in the past years? Apart from running the Facebook group, you've been investigating sightings, joining the dots in Cumbria, liaising with even the police and landowners, haven't you? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, how did you get into it, Sharon? What first prompted you to get involved? When I was about 10, 11, living up in Scotland, I went walking with my mum and my brother up into the fells and that, and we heard a, a growl. And at first we just thought, you know, probably deer or something. And it continued like this loud growl. So my mum says, right, come on, let's go, let's just get away from it she said it was a big cat so and that was up in Dumfries and Galloway we did actually see it but the sound was enough to to spur us on back down the hill I mean I was only only a, a kid so and it just went from there okay I didn't know you'd had that experience as a young child so yeah. that stayed with you stayed with us yeah. yeah yeah even though we didn't see it it was just the sound we just knew it wasn't anything that was uh, native to the UK yeah, so that was round the corner in the southwest bit of Scotland. It was near a place called Dunsker in Scotland, southwest Scotland, just on the outskirts of Dunfries. Okay. Now, into Cumbria, I know you've investigated reports. We'll hear some of the highlights of that. But could we have a couple of the highlights of your close encounters? I know you've had sightings and you've had close encounters. What is your most memorable sighting or close encounter in Cumbria? Probably the one where I stood on the tail of the cat when I was uh, near Gretna. And uh, there'd been a few reports there and so on. So anyhow, I went down. It was a nice July day, nice and hot. Went down, had a look around the hedgerow, followed, you know, prints and things. Jumped over a sty and the cat was just stretched out, sunning itself along the hedge. And I'd actually stood on the tip of its tail and it jumped up, growled at me. And uh, it just 
proceeded across the field. I went the other direction. That's probably going back about seven years ago. So it's as close as I've been. How do you think you got so close? Do you think it was an old deaf one, perhaps? I just think it was so relaxed in the sun. It just didn't wasn't aware of me there. Did you have an inkling you were going to be close to one? Were you following up something? Why were you close to it? Why were you there? Well, there's been a lot of reports in Gretna. Um, every other week there was a report of a big black cat. There still is. So I just took the opportunity to go up there and have a look. I wasn't actually expecting to see one because we know what they're like. They're so elusive. Mm. They've gone before we know they're there. But, I mean, I took the two photos which are on your table there. That was not far away from where that sighting was but that's as close as I've been yeah frightening so tell us about the standout features of that sighting and that experience it was its teeth I just remember its gums at the front being black long teeth and it just hissed at me and that was it I was straight back over the sty and the cat was across the field when I turned around and looked it was gone flat out across the field 30 seconds it must have covered that field so the colour was black? Black. Definitely a black leopard. Yeah. Yeah. How would you definitely know it was a leopard, do you think? Just, I just knew it was a leopard. They're just the colour, the tail, just, you just know, yeah. Well, definitely it wasn't a dog stood on or anything. It conformed to the shape did it, and behaviour. It wasn't a domestic cat or anything. It was about probably the size of, um, say, the Alsatian, maybe a little bit smaller. But whether it was deaf, ill, I, I just don't know. It was just laying stretched out along the, the hedge, sunbathing. Yeah. So I could describe just a typical cat enjoying the sun. Yes. But I wasn't expecting to get that close to one. Later on, we'll come on to the point about what a sceptic would say, oh, how come this woman has seen so many? You know, because they would say there aren't that many. And yeah. people who see more than one perhaps sort of a too jumpy and a too wishing their desire to come true and seeing something yeah. that isn't there. So we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. But you mentioned the photographs you took. Now, they're on the Big Cat Conversations website. People have seen them, but we'll link them again. Yeah. And that was just over the board near Gretna, wasn't that it? Was. So can you tell us what happened there? I'd gone down the lane, not far from the sighting of the, uh, where the cat when I stood on its tail. I've sort of went down that lane a few years previous and... There'd been a lot of sightings down that particular lane. And I heard this screeching sound. And it sounded obviously an animal in distress. It was a rabbit when I got there. And two, uh, there were young leopards, were playing with the rabbit in the field. Just uh, using it as bait, basically. Was this the case where we can see an ear with an ear tag and it's a cow's ear in the corner? And were there other yeah. cows along the fence line? Is that what encouraged you to stop and look as well? Yeah. I've seen all the cows congregated up near the gate, and I thought, well, that's the young young cows. Mm. I thought, that's strange. And obviously I heard all the, the screaming sound, which was the rabbit. And when I looked, I seen the two cats in the field just uh, playing with the rabbit. That's like domestic cats do with mice. Yeah. yeah, and one of them was in view for the photograph, and yep. was other other one was back on the hedgerow out of view of the camera, is that right? Them photos of both of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, the two different cats. Yeah. Because yeah. there's one running and one still yeah. over the rabbit. Yeah. yeah that's, two that's both cats together. Right. And the height of the grass on that one? Up to me knees, so probably about, I don't know, a foot and a half or something. 
because that's the way we scale it because I know at the time when you sent them through I said Sharon these look great but yeah. I think for the benefit of doubt you should scale them but I remember yeah. you saying look I'm busy with kids I'm a, a busy mum <laughs> yeah, and it's work. an hour away from my, where I live and yeah. And you and didn't even know the landowner, so you couldn't go in. And I'm not really keen on cows either, so I didn't yeah. want to go in the field. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what did you think? Again, how would you justify they were they were leopards? Because they were big black ones and they conformed to the shape or something? It was the shape, they're just long. Well, you've seen on the photo with the long back and, that, and the tail was long. But I would say they, they weren't fully grown. They looked like more probably, I don't know, two, three-year-old cats, juveniles. But they were bigger than a domestic so that's when I managed yeah. to get the photos and that. How come you were there? Well, you were following up a sighting, weren't you, anyway? Yeah, there have been a lot of sightings, and there still is over that way, mm. Gretna and so on. But, yeah, I was following up a few sightings in that area. Were they aware of you when you were watching? They were. They didn't at first, so I managed to take a load of photos, because I know what it's like. You take one, it can be blurred, so I run a few photos off on the camera. A lot of them were blurred. That was two of the best. And um, once the cats had seen that I was at the gate with the cows, they just disappeared into the hedgerow. Yeah. Yeah, so I got a good probably, I don't know, maybe three minutes watching them. Yeah, yeah. that's very rare, isn't it? They were taken with your little um, digital camera, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, that's what I took with us. I mean, obviously, I've updated my cameras now as time's mm. gone on, so if I had a better camera, I would have got a better picture. Yeah. But you can see from the photos that they're yeah. definitely big animals. I found that they've been influential when I've shown them at talks. Yeah. And we heard today some young students, and they didn't know much about the subject, and they were very questioning and sort of semi-sceptical, yeah. which yeah. is fine. They're very objective young people, and they really gave us a challenging t they half did. hour They did, that's here. what I yeah. like to hear. Yeah. 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 But they were quite influenced by that. They were taken by those, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. wish I had the, uh, a video of them, but, you know, yeah. it's hindsight, it's... Yeah, so you must be pleased that you got those, those yeah, photos. Yeah, absolutely. In daylight as In well. daylight, yeah. We tend to have a lot of sightings in daylight, mm -hmm. especially in Cumbria. Yeah. Now, yeah. I remember there's one time when you videoed, and we got the audio from it, a scene where you went up to one at night time, and I thought, what is this woman, who I think is a very sort of canny streetwise investigator doing going up to one at night she knows it's in the field now that i've got this right haven't i you went out and you that, know you're really yeah, close i've had actually quite a few sites that that was another one yeah that was on hay round hay bales yeah and um i shone the torch across the field because somebody had seen a, a big cat in that field oh, a few years ago and uh, it was by a bus driver from carlisle so I sort of every Friday used to go around and have a little look and that. And I shone the torch across the field and I seen the eyes, but the cat was sitting on top of the bell. So I pulled the car up again the gate and <laughs> went over the gate and sort of headed up to it. But the cat, I could see it, sorry, Sky, I knew it was a cat because of the green eyes and so on. But as I sort of headed up towards it, it got off the bell and started coming towards me. So I had no fear. And again, I headed back to the car because I was on my own. <laughs> so, yeah. That is a risky thing to be so close at night time as well. To the, but, I mean, what? how were you feeling at that time? Oh, my heart was beating up my chest because I just knew it couldn't have been anything else. But I could see the silhouette of the, the cat. And obviously when you're on your own at 10 o'clock at night and it's dark, yeah. it's, uh, you know, you don't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you say to people who would say, how come you've had several sightings and been up close and you've made your own luck really, haven't you? But yeah. what would you say? When you get the sightings, 
I always go to the place where they've been seen, and chances are the cat could still be in the area. And mm-hmm. um, we know around that area, it's always been seen, so it sort of puts your chances up a little bit. It's like bonds, isn't it? Really, the more more bonds you got, the more chance you have of winning, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I think cats, cat sightings are like that. So, if you you know places where you have a lot of sightings, that's where you need to be. Yeah. Well, you yeah. tell us another highlight of a sighting you've had then. Uh, there was one at Longtown, seen that one sitting in the grass. Parked up at Longtown, it's like a wooded area there, been a lot of sightings again. So I packed the car up, jumped over the fence. I'd just seen the tip of the light, something black in the grass, and it was it was a leopard sitting in grass. Well, again, I was on my own, so I managed to get two photos of that one, but you can just see the tip of its tail, because it's sitting in long grass, and just the top of its ears as well just tip it ears but again it's not really that clear because it happened so fast they had my phone on me but then it just bounded out the grass and into the woods at Longtown so that was a pretty good sighting it's just a shame I wasn't recording it but as we know it happens so fast these yeah. things the time I get yeah. my phone out it's they're gone yeah and, and some of these cases you've been with other people haven't you yeah. some of them with I mean Ian sitting alongside you will bring Ian in a minute is some of them with Ian yes the one that's on me Oh, right, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. had a couple, actually, haven't we? The, uh, the tan-coloured cat as well, up on the bank. Yeah, we're going to introduce yeah. Ian then. Thanks, Ian. How do you feel about accompanying Sharon on, on this, Ian? Did you have an interest, or was it because you accompanied Sharon, you've sort of been dragged into it, but you enjoy it now? Um, well, initially, I had a sighting prior to knowing Sharon. I was driving on the A66 from Cockermouth to Keswick. I was just in auto mode, driving along the road, as you do and something caught the corner of my eye just sloping from right to left. The thing that I noticed was the long tail with the hook right at the very end of its tail. And you sort of do a double take visually and in your head as well you're like, did I just see that? And you know, it's not the usual thing that you expect to see on the road. And so prior to meeting Sharon, that, that occurred and when we met, I discussed it with Sharon, and that's when Sharon sort of blew the lid off the whole subject and says, well, actually... <laughs> so that was when I was down the rabbit hole with no escape, you know. Yeah, yeah. great. So, yeah. Yeah. But would you would have found it interesting anyway, I guess. I mean, did your sighting hook you, or, you know, would you have left well, it if it wasn't for Sharon? I've always been into the mysterious and myths and that sort of thing. So to see that initially... It sort of stirred a sort of curiosity up in me. With seeing that and then obviously the, the follow-up with Sharon's interest and input in the subject, yeah, it is a really interesting subject and it's so much fun to go out and investigate because you get into all sorts of different areas that you wouldn't normally tread. Excellent. Well, tell us about your Thirlmere experience then. Right, well, we usually set out at odd times of the day this particular time, I think we went to Thirlmere at it's probably 11 p.m. of a weekend. We parked the car up and we walked up into the forest at the north end of Thirlmere. We ought to just say for listeners, Thirlmere, if people don't know, is a, is a big thin lake in the central east side of Cumbria, yeah, it, yeah. just north of the heart of the Lake District, north of um, Grasmere and Ambleside, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, but it's quite a sort of barren area, not so touristy, but close to the tourist parts. It's very sort of quiet because obviously the two major points between either side of Thelmere is Keswick and you've got Grasmere, so a lot of tourists sort of skip Thelmere and go to the, the hot points of Keswick and Ambleside and that sort of area. So, so yeah, it's very quiet. Anyway... We left the car, like I say, and we were walking up an old forest track. And we were familiar with the ground because we'd been up there in the daytime. We had our sandwiches and flask and, you know, camera equipment and such like. And we'd gone right up onto the near the top of the, the this track. It's quite rough with the forestry vehicles, you know, sort of chewing up the ground. and. I remember Sharon looking for a particular thing in a bag. She was probably about five or six metres away from me and I sort of was looking around with the torch and I spun the torch around looking up the bank and I caught these uh, two sets of emerald green eyes probably 40 metres away from us. It was like the old classic clip in a movie where Something crazy is going to happen and the character's trying to get the attention of the other people in the film and I was I was saying Sharon, Sharon and she couldn't hear me. So and I was I was pointing all the while with this torch, keeping an eye on the eyes, and then I eventually got Sharon's attention. We were both sort of stunned. Yeah, for, for we a stood second. at the very top of the hill on the the tree stump. The tree stump, weren't they? Looking down yeah. on us. From what I remember that one of them was on the tree stump. We knew it was a tree stump after the event had occurred because we went up there during the daylight to get you know an idea of the 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 distance from where we were stood to where they were and such like so there was one on a tree stump on the ridge line and one just sort of to the left of the tree stump and they watched us for maybe 45 seconds to yeah, a minute but you said about turning around and going back and i said no let's keep let's keep going up yeah. <laughs> so we went up, didn't we? But then, as they realised we were going up, they disappeared. Yeah, they disappeared over the hill. Yeah. Um, we were trying to get over quite difficult ground. Yeah. And then we did actually see them at the other side of... It's not a very big valley, but it was a valley all the same, with trees and everything. But we saw them moving away from us, sort of from left to right, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they, they stood and watched though, didn't they? Yeah, while they turned yeah. and watched. But we stood where they'd been, at the very top. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. We, we stood at the top there. Yeah, we went there like the following day or the yeah. day after. To but it was a moonlight yeah, night as well, it so was. it sort of, you know, the whole place was lit up mm. with the moon as well, to give you an idea of the silhouette of the cats as well. Yeah. But that was an amazing sight. And What do you think they were doing? How come you encountered them, do you think? I think they were as curious about us as we were of them because obviously it's not the sort of time of night, well the time of day that they would expect to see humans yeah. walking around. Because it was after 11 o'clock, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I think it was Maybe near they were surveying the area for food as yeah, well because a lot yeah. of deer there and being yeah. at the very high point up there, they yeah. could see all below. Do you think they were adults? What sort of scale did you judge them to be? I say they were adults. Yeah, they were. They were definitely adults because they didn't seem sort of phased by our presence, did no. they? No, so they weren't. They, they didn't run off. They obviously had a confidence about them. Yeah. Because they had the higher ground. 
So they were just looking at us as if to say, you know. When are you going to leave? Ambled back yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah. This is our. And then there was the other one not far away from there, the, the tank look at, remember, on the hillside. That was during we the day. We thought it was a fox, it? didn't we, at yeah. first? So yeah. we're going up for another one now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've, we've <laughs> one or two. We've, we've seen one a few. Okay, go for it. This particular one, it was off the back of a a sighting, uh, a report that we'd had from. It was a police officer, wasn't he? Yeah. Had got in touch with Sharon, so we went and investigated up there. It was probably, I think it was early afternoon, wasn't it? It was quite warm. Uh, I can't remember what time of the year it was though. Anyway, I, I think it was May time. It was yeah. just, you know, getting warm. And we'd again gone up a forestry track, sort of zigzagged up into the upper upper echelons of the hill. And we were just sort of relaxing, taking in the scenery, listening, you know, looking for for possible areas and this, that, and the other. And uh, we'd had a, a packed lunch or something, hadn't we? Mm. We were moving along the side of the hill, sort of yeah. from south to north. Just out the corner of my eye, I saw this thing moving through the brush. And the way it moved was, it was very graceful and very solid. It wasn't like a fox or anything, because I know foxes sort of teach on the, the legs, don't they? They sort of trot. But th this thing moved very gracefully. And it was the same colour as what the police officer had reported seeing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was tan coloured. It was tan coloured. Because it disappeared um, into the bracken. Yeah. So you just got a quick glimpse. Yeah. yeah. But the way it moved was was not like uh, a fox or anything like that. We, we didn't see it after that, it sort of disappeared. It's probably more like that colour, the, the mountain lion behind you there, tan colour. Yeah. It wasn't red, like a fox. Mm. I think that was one of the points that I'd made. Yeah. I says that, that wasn't a fox because there's a, a differentiation between a, a fox's red coat and uh, like the, the the blonde sort of dark, you know, mousy coloured hair. Yeah. And, and a tan coloured cat has already been seen up there recently. Yeah, yeah. By yeah. the is it the Duke of Edinburgh? That was the officer, wasn't it? He he, he was skating around the uh, yeah. Duke of Edinburgh. Yeah. He'd seen uh, it. So that, that's that's where he'd seen it. Yeah. And you were able to judge the scale, were you? Do you think? More of the movement of the animal. I couldn't really see the scale because it was it was tight in between, like the the, the bushes either side. But as it moved away, the structural movement of its skeleton was not fox-like at all. So, oh dear. Oh dear. No, no. it was definitely no. feline. Yeah. But not it canine. It sort of slithered through the through the bushes. We'll go on to Thirlmere and the sheep carcasses you found there in a minute, but can we just get back to this point about how come so many sightings, how come so many encounters? People who are saying, this is a bit fishy, that these people have seen so many. Is it, would you say, is you've just gone out a lot and you've made your own luck and so... Yeah, just been so in the right place at the right time, really. If, if people giving you these sightings, well, straight away we go and have a look in that area. Or in that vicinity, won't you? I do think that um, because of the the big cats in Cumbria group and the reports that we get, because we're heading to that area and concentrating our investigations around them areas, yeah. you know. Well, it's always certain areas that they're always seen in. So you've got Thelmere, Oldswater, which mm -hmm. is like, is it Dacre, that area? Yeah, Dacre, so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're basically getting a, we have an advantage 
in the, the fact that people are saying, look, we've, we think we've seen this in this area, uh, come and have a look. So, you know, when we turn up, you either see it or, you know. Yeah. Presumably you do lots of other follow-ups where nothing happens. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah, we yeah. get more more where we yeah. don't see anything, yeah. don't we? Yeah. It's Nine times out of ten you don't yeah. see anything. You don't. It's just that we go out every week, we're out yeah. every week, sometimes twice a week, aren't yeah. we? But, I mean, there has been instances where we've seen it ourselves just yeah. off the back of... Yeah, I mean, the one at Longlands. Yeah, Longlands. You've yeah, seen that one. one. I squeaked that one and it stopped and looked, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a different one, is it? That's that a different a, one, yeah. That was yeah, a black yeah. one, was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, could I just step in there? Because it's like sort of coming from Gloucestershire and coming up, the environment is so different. I mean, spent a day at Felmere yesterday. Well, I think if you've got the advantage of high ground, yeah. you yeah. can see so much more with a decent sort of set of glasses yeah. or whatever. Yeah. There's there's so much more ground that you can cover from without having to chase. Like the valleys and sort of things uh, of the Cotswolds are so much different, so much more heavily wooded. Yeah, yeah. and, and so much cover here as well. Yeah. So much woodlands and... Yeah. But yeah, up on there, when you're up on the top, there's a lot of open ground. So if you do, you're, you're covering a massive arena look to see. So I think your chances of seeing it from on top on high mm -hmm. are probably a lot greater than our chances down further south where the, the valleys are a lot steeper and more wooded and what have you so yeah yeah you know, i think your landscape and your terrain does sort of and and the amount of people that have come here today they're they're telling us exactly yeah, the same stories yeah. that you're yeah. telling us one after another is constant yeah. like so yeah, yeah I, I think although you have seen a lot of stuff there's no doubt that it is everything's right and the environment the landscape everything yeah i think it confirms to me anyway this is all genuine and real look yeah there's yeah. no doubt yeah. But, yeah, yeah but paul while you've got the the uh, the microphone you were commenting that we're not seeing a lot of rabbits and roadkill. There is a difference between the Gloucestershire and the southwest landscape that we know in terms of small prey and the snack items that we would expect. And that it might say why that there's more sheep kills here, perhaps. Well, we did discuss this yesterday before we met Sharon today. and what have you, but We would suspect that there's a lot more sheep impacts. And I would imagine on that train, the sheep are getting themselves into trouble. Yeah. Or are getting trapped in crevices and yeah. what have you. Which they do. So, yeah, there is a lot more, I think, sheep predation up right there. And some of the pictures that I've seen as well indicates that, that the sheep are getting taken a lot more up on the fells here than, yeah. than down by us in Gloucestershire. And possibly the sheep here aren't dipped as much because they're just wild sort of Hedwick, yeah. like the old rough hill sheep yeah, and what have yeah, you, whereas in Gloucestershire, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're a lot more chemically dipped and things like that. So, I would say that, yeah, the sheep, like, from what I've seen anyway, is probably a lot bigger a source of food up here. The lack yeah. of squirrels, rabbits, and small stuff. So, if you're a big cat in those fells area, like Thirlmere and similar, you are living off sheep and red deer largely, do you think? Is that right? Or another deer? There are other uh, deer? Roe deer. Roe deer, okay. Roe. Yeah. yeah, there are some reds as well, aren't there? Um, I think there's a handful, isn't there? There is a it's mainly row, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's where I got the, the found the, the jawbone with the, the toothpicks in. Yes, we've um, we've had a good toothpick yeah. example from Thelmia. Yeah, yeah. Ex yeah. The roadkill. There's not rabbits on the lanes, you know, and yeah. and, and deer wandering out. We were driving and the roads were clear and yeah. there was no signs of any, you know, well, roadkill pickings. I always look for them. I seen a badger, didn't we, on the way up? Yeah. Um, mm. Maybe a couple of jogs and. The odd rabbit, but there's very few. Yeah, the small game is totally different to Gloucestershire. Yeah. If I drove a couple of miles over the Cotswolds, I'd have muntjac running across the road in front of me. Mm. If I stopped and flicked a light around, there's muntjac rabbits and foxes and badgers everywhere. Whereas up yeah. here, yeah, there's a lot less sign of yeah. that kind of game. Look, yeah. 
Yet Thilmia so, continues to produce the goods for you. Absolutely. And you're saying that one of them reported has a white blaze, which is very... Uh, so a big yeah. black one with a white sort of uh, marking yeah, on it. Yeah, that one's got the white chest. Not much of a white chest, but just, you know, yeah. a bit of a white patch. And how many times have you had that reported? Probably about four times now. Four By times. people who don't know of each other's reports, no, so no, it's consistent. No, tourists and, you know, they've seen it and then they get on to, they Google it and then find big cats in Cumbria and then they send me a message that they've seen this big black cat. Yeah. And normally it's got a little bit of a white blaze on its chest. Why do you think Thelmy is so good? You've got to know it, obviously, so yeah. there might be other places that are as good, but you don't know, I suppose. But do you think it's because, like you said earlier, it's not so busy It's not, and the cats have got less disturbance there? No tourists there, hardly. And if there is, they're either rock climbing or mm. going up to that craggy piece. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that Thelmy could also be a, a path for them moving around in between territories, and they have... They have been seen in that area specifically, but I, I do think they move in between areas, you know. Yeah, they go up to Parrot yeah. Town yeah. and over yeah. where the Daffodil Hotel yeah. is up there, that, that yeah. town up there. Mm. Yeah. They've been seen. Yeah. And over to Oldswater. Yeah. So tell us about the sheep kills. You, you found a lot of sheep. I know you find sheep kills elsewhere, yeah. but I mean, we've seen some of the photos and we'll put some on the website for this episode, but are these times when you followed up a cat report and you found sheep kills as well or are they just random that you've come across them tell us what, what you're finding well it's both really you get the reports of the uh the big cats have been seen so you go and have a look and often we've found sheep haven't we have been eaten and over Lowswater mossa yeah. the sheep have always uh, yeah. up there they always seem to have the noses missing yeah. usually damage to the throat they've been eaten but the, the faces always seem to have the Noses eaten, so on. Suggesting yeah. this muzzle hold yeah. impact yeah. suffocation. Yeah. Like an impact yeah. on the, the muzzle. Mm. And it's the same with the Thelmia sheep. Yeah. What's the most number of sheep you found dead and consumed, likely cat, in your view, together? Sometimes it's several, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Thelmia again, all the one, sheep. I would say within 400 square metres there was maybe six or seven sheep, wasn't there? Yeah. And they were all emaciated and eaten and ripped. And, yeah. You know. Again, the muzzles, that impact on it, them. It was almost as if they were... Um, we could see all the bones and the sheep's nose um, was all broken. Yeah. And I think, yeah. well, surely badgers and things are not going to do that. Yeah. Were they all of a similar age? All yeah. one similar event, you know, over several... Over a couple of weeks, it was predation and consumption yeah. over a couple of weeks. It's usually about winter time, isn't it? There's yeah. usually quite a few sheep up there always yeah. been eaten. Yeah. You can see them in the field as you're driving past. It's always you can see a carcass, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As Paul was saying, the fell sheep here, have a, the upland sheep, have a tough life. So some of they them do. are going to get lame and injured. Yeah. So yeah. I know they're an easy target for cats anyway, but mm -hmm. if they're half injured anyway, they're even more of a target perhaps. Yeah. 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 That's it, because the farmers won't get all the sheep off the fells as well, because there's such a, no. an expanse up there. They'll only probably get so many down, and there'll be uh, a few that are wandering off on their own, mm. sheep. I, d I don't think for a cat it's its preferred sort of uh, sustenance. No, we I know think. that farmers are telling us, and, and yeah. um, other people are telling us that it doesn't seem to be routine like deer yeah. kill. But I think yeah. if they're, you know, it's interesting you are noticing a lot of sheep kills, yeah. and Paul is saying maybe that is because 
the smaller prey in the upland areas is not so available as it would be presumably there'll be rabbits and squirrels and yeah. and other stuff in the lower areas of um, Cumbria but yeah maybe it's that pattern we did just um, thinking about the show the the um, what we've had the feedback from farmers at the show today is day two and we've had two grumpy farmers today because they've said they found it difficult to tolerate in relation to the number of um, sheep impacts they were getting so they both actually put on the sticky dot voting board there's a range of options and they both put cull them yeah. and they were n- not apologetic at all although one of them did say the second guy put cull them he said I don't want them all to go he said and we have to learn to live with them but I'm getting so many sheep impacts I think there should be less cats basically so we yeah. meant cull them literally not cull them and get rid of them all yeah just manage them yeah yeah I mean, that would be difficult to do, of course, but that was his attitude. But yesterday we had two sheep farmers in and they were very respectful of the cats and they said they've had impacts on their sheep over the years, but hardly any. They were saying if they're impacting the deer and they're doing vermin control, then they're good news for the habitat of Cumbria. So they're much more tolerant and their sticky dots went on the leave them alone option so yeah, it shows you different yeah. different people have different views depending on their circumstances. I tend to work with the farmers don't we and they've yeah. all been pretty good. And they respect you looking into it? Yeah, yeah absolutely I always go down speak to them tell them what we're doing yeah. if it's alright to go on their land and so on and 9 out of 10 have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Are you frustrated that you because I know you've done camera traps trail cameras and you try and find evidence do you get frustrated that we can't get more and better evidence or do you just realize it's a long haul <laughs> i do get frustrated yeah. yeah but it's just it's just luck of the draw in it I do, I do i do believe it's just a matter of time it, before of something yeah. solid yeah. comes from this area so yeah it is a matter of time yeah, yeah. and we will get there i know for yeah. a fact we will yeah we'll get something and, and the fact that you're networking with people who respect you yeah. and want to work with you, that's great. You've got a good community and that's your it. support. We get permission yeah. off the farmers to put the trail cameras yeah. on the land if they've had, you know, trouble with cats and things. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if listeners can hear a bit of background rumpus, people are packing down at the show and we're taking the opportunity to have a chat. But uh, <laughs> it's been a great day at the, at the show. What have you made today of the show, Sharon, meeting people? It's been absolutely brilliant because I've had sightings today that i didn't even know about but they have been in the areas that i've been concentrating on so we know these cats are there you know their territory which obviously is crooklands and places like that so we know they're here yeah and the chance to talk at length with people and farmers and see people swapping notes yeah Yeah. it's been it's been educational was what was the biggest surprise today from talking to somebody that you you had that you weren't expecting perhaps um I think the fella that came in that quickly spoke to Paul, that fella from uh, Ayrshire. Yeah, the guy who, um, whose friend shot one. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, tell us Paul then, go on, go yeah. for it, spill the beans. We were in conversation with a group of other people and a, a young chap popped in and he told us that his friend had shot one in Ayrshire and he'd contacted a wildlife group and um, they'd come along with the authorities, they'd taken the body away from him told him that if any photographs appeared or any news appeared of it in public that he'd lose his firearms certificates and yeah we just hang, hang on yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll do it again we'll just just have to pull the table out of the way a bit 
Someone's just trying to reverse a car out while we're talking. That's yeah. uh, They're so going to take our model Puma out. <laughs> Apologies for the delay, but he just nearly took the side of the tent out where we are. But yeah, he, he, he told us that he was uh, he was threatened basically by the authorities with losing his license and everything if he made public what had happened to him. And he kind of blurted out, offloaded his burden, and ran away basically, yeah. and uh, left us stood here kind of aghast. But yeah. yeah, it's not the first time I've heard that, and it's probably not going to be the last. But we don't want to go too far down the conspiracy road and what have you, but it unfortunately does happen. Like, yeah, so it was another example, yeah. He wanted to get that off his chest and he was gone before I could even ask him any I more think questions. That was chap when I was leaving the stand, I overheard him say it to his, uh, his partner and I said, go tell them guys. And that's when he came up, I think it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All yeah. of about 30 seconds he yeah. was gone. Yeah. Yeah. But that sort of, that stuck with me because it just showed you what we're up against then. So he's very plausible and credible. Yeah. He hadn't come in to just um, tell fibs yeah. about that. There was a lady that turned up earlier on and she was relieved to see this stand because it, it gave her the sort of the, the release of, thank God I'm not going bonkers because there are other people that know about these creatures and the fact that they're, they're out there. She did elaborate on the two sightings that she had was it Levens Hall? I yeah, think it was. Levens. So she was she was relieved that um, it is a thing. Yeah. Yes. Which is why we do the podcast, why you do the Facebook group, while yeah. other people do Facebook groups, and yeah. yeah, we are a growing community, and it's nice to help yeah. those people out, and then they can join in and in the collective effort to yeah. try and yeah. learn. Unburden themselves. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. It's what it's, that's what it's like, isn't it? They're yeah. getting off their chest and they're talking, and we're not going to ridicule them. I, I mean, I expect they've spoke to other people and. I had the mickey taken out of them enough to just hold their secret then so it's yeah, yeah i think like the, the feeling you get is that it's a bit of a relief for them to be able to just express it to us like yeah i think everyone goes through that initial do i tell anybody yeah i mean yeah. i did myself when i was speaking to sharon initially about my first sighting so. what about in cumbria itself were they mainly places you expect sightings or were there some new places that you had reports today sharon there's been a few new ones today, haven't there, Ian? Mm-hmm. I've noticed, yeah. 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 Oh, what was that one? Was it Pilling or something? They called oh, yeah, it? we had one from yeah. Pilling. Yeah. But there was a couple from that same place, from different yeah. people. Paul took the one from Pilling, because that was quite recent, where a combiner had flushed one out, hadn't it? Which does happen. The guy seen it clear a big dike. It got up in front of the combine harvester, and obviously you got quite a good elevated position from driving a combine harvester. And he watched it, and he said it cleared a massive dike in one jump and was gone. Yeah, but that, I think we, like you say, was about four weeks ago. Like, well, let's hope you get some more membership from the Facebook group. And how do you find running a Facebook group and the community behind that, Sharon? It must be very helpful, sort of networking. Yeah. I know Facebook groups can have an issue sometimes. You yeah. people get a bit mouthy, and you have they to. They do. I have to weed them out if they get a little bit silly, and um, you know if they try and discredit the group. I'm sorry, but they get chucked off. Yeah. They're not back on again. Yeah. Some great people on there, and a lot of people will message me and say what the, you know they've seen something. If they ask us to keep it off Facebook, keep it confidential, we'll, we'll go down that road, that's fine. Mm. Other people don't mind me putting stuff up on there, but we try and keep it so that the cats and we don't give the exact location away because we don't want folk going down and <laughs> bothering them. What kinds of proportions over the years do you think you get? I mean, we tend to keep saying when guests come into the tent, oh, three quarters ish of black leopard yeah. types or black panther types. 
20% are puma types-ish, and then 5%, give or take, are, are lynx. Yeah. What kind of pattern is there in Cumbria? Is it different from that, or is it the same as that? Or Well, I would say 90% are definitely black leopard. Really? 90% as high Absolutely. as that? Absolutely. We've only had a very, very small percentage that have been lynx, spotted yeah. cats and things, sometimes savannas that are people are seeing. Yeah, we'll come on to savannas in a minute <laughs> yeah. with a certain character. Pumas, yeah, we've had a few of them, haven't we? But it's mainly 90% a black leopard. Do you think you get sometimes black ones that you can't be sure are leopards? Yeah, mm. yeah. Which might be leopards, but you can't yeah. be sure, or there's something it else. Maybe just juveniles, you know. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you've had tip-offs from the police as well, haven't you? You get Yes, yeah. um, the police have been in touch. They let me know some of the officers and that. They've been pretty good, haven't they, Ian? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let us know about some sightings and so on. One at Longtown and... Yeah. It's nice to keep on site, you know, with the police, let me know. And what about the kids? You know, I know you've got more than one, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have an interest, they have to. Particularly this <laughs> one. Because the front room's just covered in big cats and... Yeah. Everything's big cat in the front room, isn't it? So, yeah, we, they have to live with it. Do you think you'll do what your mum does when you're older, or can you see the interest in it? What's your view on it? I think I might do it. But, um. <laughs> we need some young legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're none of us getting old. Any but there's younger. other things in life as well, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Pokemon, yeah. phones, sharks. Sharks. Oh, sharks. Yeah, yeah you like sharks. Yeah. Do you enjoy going out in the outdoors and does it make a walk more exciting for you? Yeah. Yeah. There's been some scary moments, hasn't yeah. there? For yeah. For us all. You've heard the growling, haven't we? And I've told you to get in between us. Really? Well, how did you feel when you heard the growling? Scared because I thought I was going to get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I you're doing to your kids, Sharon. <laughs> I know, I love social services down now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to eat. I was complaining. Yeah. Well, she's got a day off school today, so it can't be that bad. Well, it's very educational to come to a show like this. All sorts of wonderful things going on. That's what I said, so... Yeah. Because there's other children coming in groups from school or yeah. from scouts and brownies and things to look at it anyway. So yeah. Yeah. you've enjoyed it, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Better than school. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to go on to savannah cats and a certain character at home now? Then yeah. tell yeah. us about a certain savannah cat then. Mr. Bigira. <laughs> so those people who know Sharon and her Facebook presence and Instagram, whatever, might know that she owns a, she has owned one Savannah cat now more. But tell us about Bargera and what it's like owning and looking after a Savannah cat in the house, Sharon. He's a character, and I. It's like a dog in a cat's body. But I mean, you can still take him out for walks. We we go up on Thel, we've been Thelmere with him, haven't we? And yeah. travelled up to Scotland with him. Like I say, it's just like having a, a dog in a cat's body. He's a character. Yeah, he's a very big character, and he's uh, looking after him is, is such a big responsibility because yeah. the, the house has to be locked because Bagheera knows how to open doors. He can stretch high enough to open the door handles. Yeah. We have to make sure that the windows are locked, the doors are locked via a key. Otherwise, if if he was to get out, it would. We have to notify the police, obviously, because he's classed as a wild animal. A lot of people are shocked that we let him roam around the house. They say, is he actually allowed in the house? Well, of course, because he's, he's such a loving animal. Because oh, yeah. he's grown up there and he knows the ropes and he and he's just play fights with your dog, doesn't he? Even though he could kill that dog easily, couldn't he? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Cyril. He has him. his um, younger brother now, which is Mowgli. 
yeah. younger half brother so they they're like Markham and Wise watching them sometimes they're really funny to, <laughs> they to small, yeah. they they? again we'll put some photos and maybe a video link or something with the with the show notes of this uh, I'd love to episode. have fetched him today we'd actually been on okay today yeah, yeah we yeah. were worried there were too many dogs in the showground that he would sort of react no, he's, do you know what? He's not bothered with dogs at all, is he? He's very self-assured. And the dogs are worried about him now, presumably. They know how big he is. He's got 20 friends, you know, accumulative on his legs. That are, <laughs> he's very sure of his abilities, I think. Yeah, and you take him out on a harness and a lead, don't yeah. you? So he gets plenty of outdoor exercise oh, and yeah. walks with you. Out. Yeah. yeah, just the vets he doesn't like, but yeah, he likes, likes to go out. I do remember the first time we took Bagheer out with his brother, Mowgli, we thought we'll take them somewhere nice and quiet. So we took them down to this country lane towards Crummock. And it was a bit of a baptism of fire for Mowgli because he'd never been out before. And he was, he was only 12, 13 weeks as a kitten, wasn't he? Yeah. Was it? So anyway, it was all quiet and then it suddenly turned into the M6 for traffic and then fighter jets went across. <laughs> he didn't like you it. Know, and that screeching noise. Yes, so it went from really peaceful to, you know, all hell broke loose. Yeah. But the, the cats sort of took it in the stride, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, well, Bagheera's not, he's not fighting yeah. nothing. Yeah. Apart from Apart road sweepers. What road sweepers he doesn't like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It must be that hiss and swans. Swans, he doesn't like swans. Because yeah. they yeah. hiss at him. Yeah. <laughs> and what scale, so listeners know, so when you got him, what size was he? And now what size is he? Of course, a savannah cat obviously is bred from a serval, yeah. so he's got that in him. His grandfather's a serval. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's very long now, isn't he? And very, yeah. He's stretched out. Since last time you've seen him, Rick, he's, he's gone very long, elongated, I call him. He's about four foot from nose to tail, yeah. to put tail. Yeah, it's about he out, yeah. between nine and ten kilo. What's he capable of? What do you, you know, if he got out and was naughty, what would he do? Do you think oh. he could kill a neighbour's cat, couldn't he? Yeah. Presumably, he, he does not like other cats, does he? No, he's very territorial. Yeah, he, he stands his ground for his own home, you know, home life. Yeah, he, he'll kill other cats and maybe, maybe the odd dog, probably. Yeah, knowing him. Yeah, yeah, that's why we had to keep him in. Yeah. If he's on his lead, he's fine, but. Has he ever scratched you or by mistake and caused impacts? Or? Yeah, I've been in hospital twice, I know, with his scratches. Really? Yeah, because yeah, he's cut yeah. me right down to the bone. Was it him being aggressive? It somewhat frightened him. Yeah, it's, if he's surprised by something. Yeah. And he, 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 his power, his instant power to get away from a situation that he's yes. not sure of is, is immense. Well, he used my hand and yeah. it took me... It's when they leave her away and they use you as a skewer yeah. to base. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The central sort of part of his body is just a, a big muscle. So it, what about the one on your chest? You've got one now, off yeah, Mowgli. Yeah, yeah, that's just off Mowgli. And you can see that, the, the spacing yeah. of his paws. Good grief. Does it make you guys cautious with him or do you sort of get a bit complacent because you trust him? No, we're always cautious with situations, aren't we, with him? Even though he's placid, it's just yeah. something can just turn him and... Mm. He's a different animal, isn't he? Yeah, but he plays with us, but using his claws and mouth, but he's, he's, he doesn't go sort of 100%, you know, using all... He, he, yeah. he sort of plays with our hands and stuff. He's not aggressive, but he plays... No. Because he's such a big cat, he plays harder. If he finds himself putting his, his feet towards your, your face, he always realises and backs off instantly when he damages to you, yeah. you know, your, your face or head. If he knows he's getting at your say your joggers or your pyjamas or your or, or your clothes does he claw more because i've noticed my little stray cat who's quite wild 
he'll sometimes go full on to sort of push me away and attack me if he's in a bad mood but obviously withdrawing a bit because yeah. he makes that concession but I've noticed when I've got my joggers on in the house you know that sort of thing he'll go he'll think oh that's not skin I'm going to go further does <laughs> do you have that sort of reaction sometimes yeah I would imagine it's amazing how they know to make that judgment I think instantly yeah, yeah. yeah. Bagheera's a very sort of tactical on where he he strikes, isn't he? <laughs> he thinks everything yeah. out. He's yeah. so clever. Yeah. You can yeah. watch him thinking something out. He watches you with doors and things. He knows when you ain't locked a door. Yeah. Because he waits till you're gone, and he'll go and open it. Yeah. Okay. And that's him working it out. That's a. That's the internal that's, doors because we have snibs yeah. on each door. Everything else have a snib on because he'll open the doors. Yeah. And Mowgli's picking all this up as as he is the young apprentice. He's a teenager, isn't he, at the moment, it so really he's just, yeah. he's silly. Does he get put in his place by Bagheera, or...? 50-50, I would yeah. say. Oh, wow. But because yeah. um, Mowgli's, uh, shall I say, fully-fledged... Yeah, he's, he's uncastrated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's uncastrated because he's got a heart murmur, so... So to put him under would risk his life. He's a little bit feisty, but the vets have put him on a little implant which knocks his libido off, put it that yeah. way. So it's a safer way than operating on him. But we think yeah. it's wearing out, don't we? Because yeah. he's, he's getting a bit cocky with Bagheera. Yeah. You know, he's, he's putting himself up again into to squabble. I think they are good company for each other, aren't they? Oh, well, yeah, because we go out all day and not worry. Yeah. We'll just yeah. stay in bed all day. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're growing up, he's growing up with him. It's company for Bagheera. But it is quite a responsibility and quite a pressure on you, isn't it, yeah. to have these cats? Because yeah. you can't really um, put them in catteries or anything like that, can you? So if we no. go away, we have to take them with us. Yeah. It's a different lifestyle because... They dictate more. Yeah. They, they, yeah. It rolls you, around you, them. Your life centres around them rather than like a normal sort of domestic cat where they, their life revolves around what you do. Uh, we, and we he gets up be... every morning, wakes this one up for school, don't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, every morning. I send him upstairs and he wakes her up, he knows. So the, you've been out all day today as a family here. You just left them with a bit of food, have you? And food, water, they've got the little yeah. tray. Run of the house. Run of the house. Yeah. We've had yeah. a big pen made outside for them so they can yeah. go outside. Yeah. yeah, they probably won't have moved off that bed all day. Yeah. They only get up when we go home. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And has Bargira got an Instagram page or something? Yes, Is that he has. Right? Yeah. Bagheera the F2 Savannah Cat. We'll, we'll link to that. Yeah. So, and he's got a big following, Facebook yeah. page, okay. Big following, is it? Oh, yeah, he's got probably about 700 members now. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Like People that have met him, because we take him to places and that, and, yeah. oh, he'd have been absolutely brilliant here. Mm -hmm. yeah. He would. He'd been star of the show. Yeah. Are you met other Savannah owners, or is the community of Savannah owners that you keep in touch? No, do you know what? They're just so rare. Mm. There, there are a number of people in Cumbria that have... Savannahs, but they're not not they're like no F2s, gen. like Bagheera yeah. and Mowgli. They're like F4s or F5s. Not as wild. Yeah, but it's educational as well for us because we learn from because they're so close to the wild cat. You know, even the simple movements like the one that was saying the leopard mm. on there with the, yeah. the the feet where they walk with them in front. Yeah. He does that. The interned front foot as it's stepping, yeah. which yeah. some people report yeah. in the cat's locomotion. And the thing about the claws, the claws are sometimes out more on a yeah. on a savannah and a serval. I mean, if you walk him somewhere like on the snow, I notice he walks with his claws out. And yeah. when I look at his prints, um, I'm always like educating myself. He walks with his claws out, so big cats do. Yeah. If they, and the same with mud. I've looked at his prints when he's been on mud. And you can see his claws out. Just mm, you sent me some prints of those, yeah, some yeah, pictures, yeah. To support yourself. Other aspects of Bagheera and Mowgli, when they spot potential prey, 
through a window and they do a, a specific chirping sound as if to say, look, I've seen this to the to the rest of the gang, myself, Sharon, yeah. Sky and Mowgli, you know, to say, look, there's some prey, let's get it. Or there's that, other cats outside, yeah. he fluffs right up, yeah. makes yeah. himself look even bigger, don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the communication is very sort of wild, they follow them sort of traits because we're like a pack. What range of vocalisations have they got, would you say? There's the chirping, isn't there? For yeah, Bagheera does a lot of talking, don't mm-hmm. I? Different sounds when he's happy and he's M- not so Mowgli happy. Mowgli used to give some sort of amorous sort of chirp, as if to say, you know, I'm so happy, I, I love you all to bits, and he shows that affection in some sort of, uh, a specific chirp, doesn't he? Where he does that um, sort of brrrr, meow. Yeah. Does that sort of chirp. It's, it's supposed to be a, like an affectionate chirp for a cat. It's great Mowgli. living with savannas. It is. <laughs> We won't be without them. Yeah, one of the podcast guests said she was thinking of getting one. I said it'd probably be like having another child, you know, it's just it an is. extra yeah. responsibility. It's like having a toddler massive, constantly. Massive responsibility. Yeah, because yeah. when we come out the door this morning, it's like, have you locked the door? Yeah. It's a door yeah. lock because you don't yeah. want to get halfway up here and think you haven't locked the door because the gear will be out. Yeah. You've got to have a certain degree of OCD when, it's, yeah. when it comes to <laughs> making do. sure that windows are closed, doors are shut plugs are switched off, you know, all, all them sort of little things. Yeah. It, it, like Sharon says, it's... it's like having a toddler, toddler yeah. two toddlers. Yeah. It's mainly Bagheera, though, because he's older and wiser, mm-hmm. but he watches everything you do, and he's, he's weighing it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can get into the cupboards, they get in the cupboard and pull all the food out. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. They pulled all the catnip out and that. Do they ever get wary of you? Is there anything you can do that makes them scared, or are they the boss? Do they know that they've got the upper hand? Nothing that frightens them. Well, I wouldn't say there's there's nothing that frightens them because... Not with us there isn't. If they got wind of... Because the medical process we have to adhere to with regards to the fleeing and worming, Bagheera's very wary of that sort of situation. Of having some treatment. Yeah, and the vets don't like him. If he gets a whiff of the (laughs) packets that that, um, hold the... The worming sort of medication, it'll be off like a shot. Because it's all artificial and it's yeah, know, yeah, really against his instincts. Yeah, yeah. so, so it, it, will, it will skedaddle at the, at the drop of a hat. I had to wait till he's fast asleep on the bed and yeah. then I get him that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's split seconds, mm. right in the back at neck when it's flea stuff. Yeah, sometimes if he realises he's going to the vet, he gets a bit angsty, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't like the vets. No. Uh, and they're not keen on him because no. he's so big. Yeah. They did actually ask me to put him in a crush cage, you know, and I says, no, I'm not putting him in that. I hold him or you hold him, don't we? Yeah. But I ain't putting him in no crush cage. What do they eat mainly? We do usually feed them a variety of things like raw eggs is, is a good one for them. Uh, you have to keep it as close to the wild as possible. Yeah. Uh, crickets, locusts. It's quite entertaining when we get a packet of locusts or crickets and let them go in the living room and Bagheera and Mowgli will subsequently hunt them down mm. using their, their unique hearing abilities and um, they'll just sit and listen for the rustles and that and then they will eat them as they find them. Yeah, they? we don't have to worry about crickets around the house because yeah. they don't last long. Even if they just sneak out late at night, sometimes the cats will find, have them. Yeah, sometimes you find the odd leg of a cricket or a locust. <laughs> or spider. Yeah. They never damage curtains or the upholstery in trying getting them and misjudging it? 
Oh, they're clumsy. Bagheera's clumsy. Yeah, but I don't think they've, they've not really caused any sort of massive no. damage, have they? Sometimes they scratch the sofa. The but wallpaper. We have, yeah, well. wallpaper. Yeah. But that's but just a territorial marking. Yes. Yeah, so we yeah. put bits of carpet now on the side so they can um, just rip the carpet off the wall. That would be like my stray cat catching moths. I hate it when it catches moths and butterflies because I, I don't like a cat killing my wild insects in the garden. Yeah. But cats in the wild do do that, don't they? It's part of their diet. Yeah, as they would in um, Africa and places yeah. like that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And eggs, isn't it? They're strict carnivores, yet they'll eat this other type of food, eggs, eggs and insects, as yeah. part of it. In terms of meat, you know, what, what are they eating for meat? Chicken. Yeah. They don't like it raw, though, do they? No. They like cooked chicken. Like I think it's because we've made them yeah. fussy. And they've got On the bone as well. Yeah, well, they don't have the bone. No, but they, they like the chicken yeah. off the bone, don't chicken they? Chicken off the bone. They've got a slab of steak, steak sitting in the fridge yeah. at the moment, steak. so that's for tonight. Yeah. They'll have steak. So it's, yeah, they don't have cat food, they don't have whiskers and all no. that stuff. They we do have, have irons, don't they? They have to have wheat-free. Because they're a hybrid cat, so to speak, their um, kidneys are quite... They're intolerant to wheat, yeah. which I, I think most animals are, dogs and yeah. cats and that, because they bolt the food up now, don't they, with wheat, which is... Yeah not a natural part of their diet um, so we try and avoid it we do we do uh, from time to time treat them to frozen mice as well don't we so yeah so it keeps their carnivorous sort of spirit alive you know Bagheera catches his own don't we? we're taking we, we actually one time happened upon was it a pheasant yeah it, it was a pheasant, it was there, a was, pheasant. A, there was a, a pheasant dead on the road but it looked in fact, I think we followed the car that hit it. Yeah, it was it was fresh. Yeah, so we put it in the in the boot of our car, took it home, and introduced it to Bagheera to sort of see what he was doing. So, but he, he plucked it and started eating parts of it, didn't he? Yeah. So. Yeah. How interesting! He did pluck it. Yeah. 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 Sat and plucked. Probably confused him for a little while, but he started plucking it and then then eating the the uh, inside of it, didn't he? He did. Yeah. yeah. So wild animal in it so we yeah, sort of yeah. we learn from him as well and you learn a bit about the other the cats that you're following yeah, yeah. fine well we're in the last little part of the episode and quickly on reflections on the show before we then sort of think about the future of the subject that we're all investigating so final thoughts on it paul first of all your reflections on the show and and who you've met and what the highlights it's been really good rick because uh, it's such a contrast to what we got back home but it's, a, it's the same situation going on here. You've probably got more activity up here than we have. I don't think that's probably because of the lack of people in the areas that we've discussed. So the cats are probably roaming about. And like I said, the cover situation. It's a lot different, where it, but it's another community developing in another part of England and finding their way in our environment, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's another kind of a chapter in a massive ongoing book, basically. But yeah, it's been really good, been really interesting. Quite tiring, but yeah, worth every bit of it. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's so interesting to come to a different region and get reports in a different context. Yeah, but that yeah. shows you the value of swapping notes and comparing, I think. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been definitely educational today. Yeah. So many sightings and things yeah. that I've heard. And it's been a two-day show. You weren't here yesterday. I wish I came yesterday now. Yesterday. We'll show you the reports from yesterday. Yeah. There was more interaction. It's great when people just stay and swap notes with each other yeah. and chat, where there's been a lot of that going on. I was trying to listen to everybody over there because yeah. there were three or four people different, you know, talking about sightings, and I was trying to tune into all the different sightings because I didn't want to miss nothing. Sure, yeah, yeah. you'll follow some of it up and put the, yeah. and, and map some of the, the sightings. Yeah, to well, it gives me uh, an idea where to where the, the sightings are more prolific. It's 
Final then five minutes about just the future of the subject. And Paul, is there any questions you want to ask Sharon and Ian about you know what what you reckon that you've picked really, up? Really, the only thing that we need to know is because of our presence here from why we're here, but it's like about the thermal kind of. And we've learned a great deal because, I mean, when we got there, the, the difference in environment struck us so much, the lack of small game and all the rest of it. At first glance, you wouldn't have thought there was enough here to sustain a population of cats, but obviously we haven't gone far enough, I don't think, on the mountains. And, yeah, it's, a, it's been a real education for me. And from where we are, if you moved here, we'd be sort of starting everything again. There's so much difference to learn. I mean, uh, considering it's the same thing, and we're in the same country, but it's so different. I mean, just a few hundred miles apart. But having said that, I suspect the lower areas, that the lower farm landscape of Cumbria is pretty similar, actually, yeah, to Gloucestershire. Yeah. That the, up, the mountains and the uplands are different from the lowlands, I suspect. Yeah. You do have rabbits and deer and small yeah. game. Yeah. They are out there. I just think we've got more cover with... I mean, I think Cumbria as a county, compared to counties further south of the country, is, is quite sparsely populated. Yeah. So I think there's, there's obviously spikes in population when during the tourist season. You're not surprised when there is reports coming from people that don't necessarily live in the area. Yes. This is what we pick up, actually, and say Cornwall and Devon gets this, I think. People, when they're local... To areas don't necessarily blab to the press when they've seen one because they don't want to give away their location where if they visit the area and they're a tourist they they're not loyal to it so they see something unusual and they report it and other people don't want them to report it but you must so you see that it's the visitors more that report things to the press perhaps yeah it is here on holiday camping yeah. you know the campsite's well, gone off for a walk that last one at hard knocks they were visiting the area weren't they and yeah. then they, they Kirkstone. Yeah, Kirkstone. Yeah. And they yeah. obviously Googled, you know, big cats, because that's what they thought they'd seen. And then obviously the, the, the page came up, so they contacted yeah. you, didn't they? They did. Yeah. You just reminded me, one that was in the press, and a lady that we wanted to interview for the podcast, this was about 18 months ago, I think, or maybe two years ago, was Claire, I think her name was, and she was coming down Fellside, and she didn't she hide behind a rock? That was Wino's, I think it was Wino's Pass, that yeah. one. Yeah, she was jogging over there, and she came over the pass. The, uh, the cat was there. She tried to ring the, um, or she did ring, the emergency services and that. Yeah, at the time, it was right in front of her. So she said she turned and sort of went back the other way, but then rang to get some sort of rescue, and they just laughed at her. Says, you know, yes. it's not a cat you're seeing. And that was in the paper. She was genuinely scared, wasn't yeah. she? Didn't she stay behind a rock or something? So, yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. She spoke to you, didn't she, afterwards, I think? Yeah. Well, she messaged me on the Facebook page and said that she'd seen the cat up there and then yeah. it was put in the paper and so on. I think it was on the Pike of Blisco, wasn't it? That's it. That's it, yeah. yeah. She, she was jogging over yeah. there. Yeah. And then she went over with the rocky, a rocky area was, uh, the cat was there. So she turned and went the opposite way, but then phoned for somebody to come and, you know, collect her, and they just laughed at her. I can't remember who she rang. It was some emergency services. There's that many sightings that I do in my head. Yeah. We always finish on attitudes and people's view on the future and the cats, you know, seemingly naturalising. We'll come back to your attitudes, but... What do you find? Is there is there a general message about attitudes towards the cats that you f- folks find? I think there's a lot more, more positive. Yeah, I, you I know, think there's more respect for it. There seems to be 
a stigma attached initially to to big cats. Is that showing an interest in big cats? Well, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a stigma to to whether they to the large population whether they exist, but when people come forward, as you've seen today, it's sort of a sense of relief when they see this stand and this sort of subject being something that they can make contact with and yeah. discuss their experiences. My personal experiences have a broad mind and I'm pleased I'm involved with the subject. It's fantastic and I think it's only going to go from strength to strength in yeah. people's minds around the county. And we yeah. do do the car boots on a Sunday up at Hexham and we sometimes set up our Big Cats in Cumbria stuff because there's a lot of sightings over in Northumberland. Yes. Um, and the amount of people that come over, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah just for listeners, Hexham is about um, an hour east of, of you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. safe from Carlisle. Into it's Northumberland, about, yeah. You know, it's a long way minutes. to go for car boot sale. It must be good, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not too bad, but it all pays for the okay. big cap. Yeah. You know, Fair the enough. Okay. travelling and stuff like that. So we, we do go over that way, as well as having a nosy, yeah. in case we could see a big cat over there, because they have a lot of sightings in Hexham way. Yeah. But we do set the stall up as well like this, yeah, great. Yeah. with obviously stuff for sale. Yeah. And uh, we get a lot of people coming forward and talking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We all talk about your quad bike. Tell us about your quad. We'll put a, put a picture of your quad bike because yeah. it's a big, you've got it branded as Big Cats Cumbria. Yeah, Big you? Cats in Cumbria on it. Um, it's just easier to use the quad than the car sometimes if we're going up on on the fells and things don't we yeah. I can certainly second that after spending a day walking up and down the fells yeah, yesterday yeah, I would have loved a quad bike <laughs> yeah well Tom you've got that rucksack on with all your camera gear <laughs> yeah. in I'd oh, rather yeah, take the quad yeah, yeah. but we get permission off the farmer and things obviously we don't just go scooting across the fells and that yeah. uh, we went at Windfell with it didn't we that was good yeah at Kendall yeah. Yeah. so we just got there and it just makes we can get into you know go further yeah with the well, quad and go. Yeah, we could cover more places yeah. with it, you know, in a day, rather than walking. And have you had people con- uh, see the branding yep. and say, tell you about stuff because they can see the label yep. on it? Yeah. Only just the other week it was in town, just in Workington. Somebody had seen the big cats in Cumbria and he went on to tell me about a site he had. So, yeah, and he joined the group. So, yeah, it does. It, it's advertising. Yeah. yeah. And as we know, Ian, don't we, they're dangerous things. Because Ian has got an arm in a sling, because yeah. <laughs> what happened last week, Ian? Yeah, I rolled the quad. It wasn't chasing no big cats no, either. No, it wasn't, so, but, you know. Going too fast, were you? Well, yeah. I, I wouldn't say too fast, maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't going that fast. <laughs> no, so you know, it's yeah, yeah, fixed, we will have yeah. it back. Yeah. We'll be back on the road uh, again. Okay. It, it's yeah. definitely an advantage having a quad, but uh, yeah. always drink responsibly. <laughs> Quads and drink don't go together. Yeah. This was off road, of course. Yeah, it was private on land. private land. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 of course it was. It was on a field. Yeah. yeah. And your injury's all right? Is you... Yeah, I have torn a muscle in my shoulder. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we have a tie on the car as well. Big cats and cumbers on car. Yeah, which is in the garage with the quad. Yeah. <laughs> so both in together. Is it in the next say five years, is there much you're going to do different from what you've done the past five years in terms of investigation techniques? I think it will stay the same. We'll just get better equipment. I, want to get I, better I do equipment. feel that we will end up doing some uh, night vigils in areas where there's been cats reported with certain sets of equipment, i.e. like trail cams, night vision, recording equipment and 
We've got the drone as well, which is yeah. helpful. We send the yeah. drone up, you know, some places you can't get to, so we send the drone over. Because of the terrain as well. Terrain, yeah, yeah. and it gives, covers more area that way. Yeah, I would probably imagine we will follow up on that sort of thing. Probably do some more YouTube videos as well. Yeah. We've got a YouTube channel as well. Okay. Yeah. So. yeah. Very good. So we've got yeah. three out at the moment, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. We do need to do some more, don't we? We've just yeah. had that many problems with cars and quads. We just yeah. can't get out. Yeah. It's a big commitment in your lives, but you keep going and you feel like you're making progress. Yeah. Yeah. We enjoy it, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Because like you get excited coming in, we're off out. It gets gets you to so, some obscure places where you would not normally go. Yeah. So. We've got background sound effects of neighbours' cars here. Yeah, final thing to say then. Oh, well, they can find you on Big Cats Cumbria, Cumbria Facebook yep. group. We'll put yep. the link to that. Yeah. Big Cats in Cumbria, yeah. Yep. Find us on there. And they can always send me a you know, private message that they don't want to put it on the page itself. So we can keep it confidential. So not everything's put on the page. We've got a lot of stuff we don't put on there because we've been asked to. So we respect that. Um, just uh, while you're out in Cumbria, just keep your eyes peeled because they're out there. Yeah. They're definitely out there and we've got more than I think we know. Don't be afraid to talk about it yeah. if you see it yeah. to anybody because yeah. don't feel like you're, you're going crazy. But I suppose people that are listening to these big cat conversations are obviously aware of their, uh, their um, existence anyway. So Yeah. It's interesting how many people do finish off with that thing about do come forward, don't bottle it up, because the more yeah. we learn, the more we, the more information we get, the more we learn, the more we, we can... We've today, didn't we, with a few people, been yeah. bottling it up and yeah. we needed to talk about it. Yeah. It's definitely been educational today, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Brilliant, so nice to catch up with you. Yes. So nice to have you on the podcast at last. <laughs> After, you know, we didn't get you on in 100 episodes, but now it's... Please. I've been trying to persuade her for months and months and months. So. It's been worth the wait, yeah. and it's lovely to learn about Bargira and Mowgli. And, yeah, um, oh, Rick, there's so much I can tell you. Honestly, you, you need about three hours of podcast. <laughs> well, we've done well to keep it to this length, I think. Yeah. Maybe we'll catch up again. We yeah. hope to visit again. It's been lovely to visit Cumbria. I know that Paul and I and Owen will be out and about the next couple of days anyway. Yeah. So good luck with your future investigations. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming on Big Cat Conversations. Our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Yes, Thank you.